Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Hello and welcome to episode three. I'm Dee Dee. I'm Chanel. I'm also here. I think people are used to us now. It's episode three. It's the hump episode. Mm-hmm. The two creepy girls who call, talk about dead bodies. And welcome your emails, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Um, guess what happened? You will not guess. Guess. Did you say dead body? How did you guess? Well, no, I didn't. I didn't. But, I mean, you know, the whole thing has been, I've never seen a dead body. And you saw one. Well... Not quite. I don't think I did. Because oh, so I was. Have you dri- reported it? <laughs> no. Well, I was driving home from work uh, on the freeway, and not on the lanes my side going that way. The other side, um, that I saw flashing lights in the distance. Oh. This you'll you'll see what this is going to be, and underneath a bridge. A really high bridge oh. over the freeway. Yes. Really? Oh. Did you and see a body? I, well, I don't actually know. I need to verify right, so you're claiming of seeing a dead body. So I slowed down because I thought, well, okay, look, I was pretending that it was to be a sensible driver, but it was actually because I thought I want – what? wouldn't this be freaky? Here's me saying I've never seen a dead body two weeks in. And then – There's something. Um, and I saw the flashing lights and – I. As I got closer, I thought, yeah, it's exactly what I think it is. There was like a normally dressed person who'd obviously stopped and then there were policemen and and I looked across and I kind of did this, I want to look, I don't want to look, I do, I want to look, I don't, I do, I don't, I do, I don't. And of course it's a freeway so I'm going yeah. probably about, I'm just slow to about 80 k. everyone's looking. And it was just near my off ramp. Okay. So I had just like a split second to decide, look, don't look, look, and? don't look. Glanced. I glanced and I oh, saw I'm a person doing like bobbing up and down, obviously doing the CPR on meh, the body. Doesn't count. I don't think it does count. Doesn't count. I don't think it does. There's a possibility they still could have been alive, not a body. It, but, but it made me so sad. Watching CPR is actually quite traumatic because it's, it? it's such a desperate moment. Yeah. For everyone involved. And even though, look, to be honest, I couldn't see. Mm. I mean, I was aware that there was a person on the ground, but there were lots of people gathered around. But I just felt so desperately, not not crying. I didn't have tears or anything, but I just thought, you poor thing, Mm. that someone, clearly someone had jumped from the bridge. It was just devastating. Here's a tidbit of info. We can actually never show people receiving CPR on television because it's deemed too traumatic. So you'll never see anyone being given CPR on TV in a news real sense. Obviously, they do that in movies. I never Um, knew that. Yeah, it's too traumatic. We're not allowed to show it. So it's quite traumatic that you saw that. Yeah. So you can't claim a dead body, but I'll give you the trauma. I can't. And nor do I wish to. No. Um, You're going first this week. I am. So I... When I'm driving around Melbourne, and I guess this is something that only crime reporters or general reporters do, I'll often find myself driving down streets and the streets will look familiar. And I'll go, why do I know? Oh, that's right. This is where that mum was found bludgeoned to death with a massive knife in the gutter here. And I spent 12 hours here once looking at her house. And I do that all the time. That's so, you know, in in contrast, I'll drive along and think, I'm sure I had a coffee along here with a girlfriend. (laughs) But you, yes, I do this often. So cool I'll girl. go, 
why does this place look familiar? <laughs> oh, that's right. This is where that man got shot in the head and was lying on this roundabout. For, oh. And I was also here reporting that. So when I drive around Melbourne, and cameramen, I think, definitely have these sort of flashbacks to don't laugh it happens I'm not, I'm not laughing it's just, <laughs> so it was a snort when okay <laughs> when I started thinking about that I realized I have all these little memories of Melbourne in my head that are actually quite horrifying because they normally revolve around where bodies were found so I started looking up newspaper articles about where bodies have been found and it led me to old newspaper articles where Bodies being found were actually listed in the classifieds. <gasps> yeah. You are kidding. What sort of so, era are we talking? Uh, we're talking like the 1800s. How they, about that? Yeah, they would list dead bodies just as a little tidbit, you know, by a lawnmower and we've also found a dead body. That's how they would list them. So some of them are quite they, graphic. Quite different in those days. I mean, they would do a court case and they would completely editorialise at the end of it. He was sentenced to life in jail and rightly so. Absolutely. You know, it would be in yes, print in the paper. Exactly. So here's one okay. from the Day Dawn Gazette and this was September 4, 1900 and it says, Victoria, a mangled body found. <gasps> mangled. And it's very short. It just says, Melbourne Monday, the mangled body of a labourer named Walter Taylor has been found on the railway line near Bendigo. Oh, it's pretty obvious what happened to Walter. Just that. That's all it says. Then there's another one. Here's one from the Newcastle Morning Herald and Miners Advocate. (laughs) 1889, (laughs) the body of a female infant was found in Richmond last night. The body was quite nude and had evidently been placed there since Saturday. Oh, no. Yeah. That's, oh, I wonder what that was. That's, there's a lot of children. I realised. Well, why would died. it be just? Where was the body? Where was the infant baby? Just on the road. Just on the road. Oh, the poor Bubba. It was actually found in a kerosene tin. <gasps> mm. What do you think happened? I don't know. But then there's. I mean, there was a lot of prostitution in those days. Yes. So it's possible. You know, and, I, and not a whole lot of contraception, I don't think. No. It's possible it was that. Absolutely. Oh, and there's that dear. shame of having children out of wedlock and all that. But yeah. it's, they're very graphic. So here's another one also from 1889. It says, The body of a girl aged about 18 was found on the beach at Mentone yesterday afternoon. It appeared to have been in the water for about three days and was much mutilated by fish and <gasps> sharks. The body was only partially clothed. Wow. And these just appear in the classifieds of the papers and just graphic. A lot of graphic and a lot of them are about children. So this one's quite graphic actually. So it says Child's Body Can Found you do it in like a you know, Victorian <laughs> Child's body found. Melbourne, April 14. The body of a newly born female child was found in a lavatory at the Victorian <gasps> Coffee Palace, Collins Street today, in circumstances suggesting foul play. I'll tell you where the foul <laughs> yeah. play comes in yeah. in the next sentence. Yeah. The head was almost severed from the body by a ghastly gash which had been inflicted in the throat. On the floor lay two short sticks, the points of which were tipped with blood. There was no wrapping of any kind on the body. The police have detained a woman, 22 years of age, who had stayed in the hotel the previous night. She's a visitor from Sydney where her relatives reside. So she's pregnant. She's come down here, had the baby. Must have been. Tried to kill it or something. Something's happened there with this almost severed head. 
it's desperately sad, isn't it? I it's, mean, how she must have been. Oh, I don't know. Just so d- desperate. And that's, so, do you think she's come to Melbourne because that was not an hour long trip by plane in those days? That no, would have been a, a week a long, long trip. At least yes. Trip. So she's come left home to come here and have the baby out of prying eye, away from prying yeah. eyes because obviously out of wedlock or something. I just don't know why so many of them are children. There's another one. This is the last one I'll read out. But because children didn't matter in those days. They just well, had them and they died and that was it. Let's have another one. And here's the other creepy thing they used to do in those days. They would have little baby George and baby George would die or be dumped mm. in the toilet at the coffee palace and then they'd have another baby and they would call him George too. They would give the next kid the name of the dead one. Creepy. Well, it's actually funny that you say that because my dad's sister died when she was an infant, hit her head in the bathtub, and her name was Pauline. And when dad arrived, they called him Paul. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. I kind of get it, but story. I don't. It's weird. Uh. So the last one says the body of Mina Griffiths, aged 13 years, was found in an un occupied house at Ormond, Victoria yesterday afternoon. The child had been shockingly outraged and the murdered victim had been gagged with a piece of her own clothing and was only partially clad. It has transpired that the day previous to her death, she was approached by a man with whom she walked away. The police are convinced that the body was carried to the house in a motor car after the crime had been committed. No arrest has yet been made. And outraged means raped. Mm. Poor little thing. And the other thing would have been that children in those days, you would have gone with someone who was older than you. They, they weren't taught, you yeah. know, don't go with strangers. Well, this was the 1800s. If it was someone older than you, you, you did mm. what they said. Oh, dear, poor little pet. And isn't it interesting, as you said, about how children's lives weren't valued then? If this was now, it would be front page, yeah. every single newspaper, every single radio, television bulletin, and these are just little classifieds. We'll put them on the website, on the Facebook page, yeah. uh, so you can see them. They're just exactly the size of how you would sell a lawnmower or a fridge or Didn't anything. Didn't have lawnmowers in those days. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. What Just did they have? For accuracy Give sake. me something. I don't know. What did they do their lawns with? Maybe they didn't have lawn. I can't think of the 1800s. <laughs> My 1800s <laughs> recollection is not I reckon not they hadn't got around to even but you're having right. lawns at all in those days. But it was just in the classifieds, just these, we digress. These That's very sad. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's just, it shows how, uh, I guess, how life was valued and... Or not. Or not at all. Poor little pets. I know. Oh, dear. Thank you, Chanel. Well, from, from that to this... Um, I have got for you tonight, not a dead body, mm. but dead body parts. Oh. And I remember this story myself when I started in radio. Uh, I started in 1986 and this story happened in 1988. Okay. And not having lived in the city before that, it was like, whoa, I've really hit town now. This is a big story and it's gross, but I couldn't hear enough about it. So it was May 1988. Quite early in the morning, it was um, just before six o'clock in the morning, a woman was rushing through Flinders Street Station. If you're not from Melbourne, that's the main station in the middle of the city. And she stopped in the ladies' toilets and she found a penis, (gasps) a severed penis. Now, when you see a penis just on its own, do you know it's a penis straight away? You do. I don't know. 
because I've never seen one on its own. It's possible she thought it was a sausage. You'd approach with caution and then... You would go, what's that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, Sorry. Continue. She picked the penis up and... She she gave it to a station attendant, and then she must have been running late for work. She, she hurried off. She gave it to a station <laughs> Hello, sir. I apologise. I found a penis. And on her way, she went. <laughs> so that's a bit odd in itself. Right. Here, I found this in the toilets bank, like you said. Um, Just leave it there and call for help to come to the penis. Don't pick it up and give it to someone. So we got word in the newsroom that a penis had been found. And it was I, I remember it being quite odd because we didn't know whether it had been cut off a dead body somewhere or whether there was a living person somewhere whose penis had been cut off, in which case they wouldn't be very well. Would Missing they? an appendage. Um, obviously, either way, it needed. It was quite urgent. I mean, if it was going to be a living person, and we didn't know at that stage, it was urgent that that person be found. So police appealed for the woman to come forward, but she went missing. She never appeared again. I don't think oh. she – no, exactly, which is a bit odd. Later on that day, though, more body parts were found. <gasps> uh, on the tram lines in South Melbourne, they found a, a pair of human testicles. Over the next week... You can't see my face, was... but I'm doing a shocked face. Yeah. I just realised we're doing a podcast. Sorry. That's all right. doing a shocked face. That's all right. Hold that face. Uh, over the next week, uh, everyone was talking about this story. It was because it was so mysterious. Who were they coming from? So I think uh, even the British press were covering it at the time. It was enormous. Police, first of all, checked all the morgues to see whether any bodies had been mutilated. Um, but there were none that they could establish had had any body parts taken from them. And there was a number of theories. One, that it was um, an underworld payback over an extramarital affair. Sure. Possibility. Um, some people, and this was a bit sad, thought that it might have been part of somebody, like somebody with gender dysmorphia oh, that's, of some sort, or yep. that someone had tried to somehow do a sex change operation. Or, I mean, the possibilities were, were many. That same week, though, uh, a man was reported missing. His name was Kyung Yup Lee, and I hope I've pronounced that correctly. He was a 42-year-old Korean national. He'd been living in his car just before his death, and the day before he disappeared, because he'd been with an accommodation service, but he told them that he'd found somewhere else to live in, well, he actually said to them, I found a nice place to stay in South Melbourne. So it turned out that the place that he was living in was, in fact, a warehouse on Normanby Road, which is a sort of light industrial area. There's, like, higher places and stuff there, and and it was a popular place, this um, warehouse with squatters. It had no running water or electricity, but there was a few people who didn't otherwise have homes who were living there. Now, this is where um, my memory gets a bit foggy and my research didn't. I couldn't quite clarify how police ended up at the warehouse. There was a couple of different things. One was a man had been seen driving. So this missing guy, Mr. Lee, we'll call him, uh, a man had been seen driving his car around, which was a bit odd. And this particular man had been living at that warehouse. Right. So it was one thing that led police there. And there was another odd thing that happened. There was a, a package that was intercepted into by um, customs officials in New Zealand. And it had a letter written by this particular man, who I'll get to in a second. Um, and he had written about a killing and bragged that he had, in his words, done in a Korean so there were though whether it was the this thing in the mail or whether it was the car either way police ended up at the warehouse i can remember being told 
by a police officer who arrived at that scene that when they opened the doors of the warehouse and went inside, there was a smell like roast pork. Oh. They found bones. They found a pile of ash in front of an armchair and one of the mounds had a bit of a railway sleeper sticking out of it. There was a rod with a screwdriver attached to it. I'm not sure what that was for. Mm. There was a knife covered with blood and human hairs still attached to it. So they arrested a guy who was living in the um, in the warehouse. They actually caught him, as I understand it, in the act of cutting a bit of flesh off of a leg and roasting it in a wok. Oh. His name was David William Phillip, 32-year-old. He was charged with the murder of this missing Korean, Kyung Yuk Lee. And when police tried to arrest him, there was a really violent struggle and he managed to actually grab one of the officer's guns and he, he fired a couple of shots off. Fortunately, didn't hit either of them. And he told the police that he wanted to kill as many policemen as he could. So he eventually stood trial in the Supreme Court in December of 1989. He admitted to stabbing uh, Kyung Yuk Lee and he said that he stabbed him in the stomach, slit his throat and then he admitted leaving the severed penis at Flinders Street Station and the testicles at the South Melbourne tram stop. He said that he had he admitted to cutting the flesh off of his thigh and cooking it and eating it. And he said that he had tried to eat a bit of the penis before dumping it. <gasps> and then he burned the body under a pile of railway sleepers. So, Do we know why? Well, he told the police that he just wanted to taste what human flesh tasted like. But the things that he said to police sort of varied all over the place. He also told them that um, he was, his words were, and this was from the police report, slacked off about this lopsided world where Asians have everything. And then he also said at another point that he was short on meat. So he was certified, yes, he was certified insane. Um, And so... Look, they didn't know whether he was, you know, that he's genuinely delusional. But he I had so. been, I think, certified insane before the incident happened. Was um, uh, so the other thing that had to happen was they had to prove that the remains of, of bones and bits and pieces that were found in the pile of ash were, in fact, of the missing man. And there were chicken bones and other things mixed in with them. They didn't have any dental records to work with because this Korean man had not had any dental work done here in Australia. But they did have a photograph of him and he had perfect teeth. They were able to put together enough tiny pieces to complete some of the teeth to show that it was a perfect set of teeth. And I think from that, there was enough that they were able to identify that it most likely was this particular Korean man who'd gone missing. Um, And the court case was absolutely bizarre. This um, uh, Philip, he he giggled and grinned during the court case. And I know you've sat through court cases where... It reminds me of Sean Price, to be honest. I know he didn't do that sort of mutilation, but that kind of laughing and behaviour reminds me of Sean Price. Genuine insanity, I think. Um, He, uh, the court was told that he suffered false and bizarre delusions and he had a fanatical obsession with Asians. Um, The jury took only 20 minutes to find that he was insane. Um, So the the verdict in the end was that he was guilty by reason of insanity. So he has been ordered to strict security. He is in Arendelle Hospital in J Ward and and he is at the pleasure of the governor, I believe. So, in other words, he'll never be. I mean, unless they deem him safe for release, he'll never be let out. That will never happen. Mm. You touched Ooh, huh? on that's so 
it's a different level of crazy when you're mutilating someone. I'd be a shooting type. See you later. I remember hearing with the whole thing of being insane when you kill someone, there's different levels of it that they argue in court. There's does the person literally not know what they're doing? Mm. No, hang on. Do they? No, it's it's when he's stabbing the guy, does he think he's killing a, a giant snake or something? Like is he mm. not seeing what we see? Or there's another kind where they do it but they have don't have the same concept of right and wrong that we no. have. So he doesn't know that it's wrong to do it. Either way, look, it's a good, good thing that he's locked up. Ah, and mm. let's hope he stays there. Can I tell you a funny story? Because you're <laughs> part of what you said prompted Please. my memory. Anything When you were mood. talking about they had to check to see – what bones were there because there was some chicken bones yeah. and things like that. So I remember I was in the newsroom uh, was a couple of years ago and a call came in saying that remains had been found in a particular area of the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne and it had been where there was a missing person around there. It yeah. was of quite high high profile case and of course this freaked the entire newsroom out because we thought their remains had been found. So I'm talking Cameramen were dispatched, satellite trucks going, journos going from every network, everyone's going down there, radio, newspaper journalists. It was KFC. <gasps> it's finger licking good. No. Yeah, it was chicken bones in a drain and it was KFC <laughs> and we were all there reporting about how remains have been found but police are being very cagey at the moment about what, <laughs> who they belong to but this person has been missing in the area for some time. We a are not saying there's a link. <laughs> it was KFC in a drain. Anyway, thought oh, that dear. would lift the mood from the craze. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Now, our voiceover guy, Tony Tardio, we yes. thought we might ask him tonight whether he's ever seen a dead body. So let's put a call through to Tony. Tony Tardio, hi, it's Dee Dee and Chanel. Hello. Hello, Dee Dee. Hello, Chanel. How are you? I'm good. We're we good. won't keep you long. I know you want to get back to the cricket. That's all right. I don't think I've met you, Chanel. But, I know. Um, I've seen you many times and I've heard about you from Dennis O'Kane. Oh, all good things, I hope. Absolutely, of good. course. She's a rotten little ghoul, Tony. You've no <laughs> idea. <laughs> don't be fooled. Well, well I'm wondering what you guys are up to talking about a topic like this. Dead bodies. Just... Well, we, we thought we'd start with you since you're our, our gorgeous voiceover guy. We want to know, <laughs> ha, Tony, have you ever seen a dead body? Well, after I spoke to you, I was uh, thinking about it. And uh, I mean, I've seen many dead bodies. And I, I can remember the actual date of the first one I ever saw. Wow. And that was way back on the 2nd of July, 1972. How do you remember the date so clearly? Well, I don't know. It just left a big impression on me. Um, and I know, well, Chanel, you would not have been alive in 1974. <laughs> not even thought and, of. And hey, Dini, hey, hey, hey. Your, na- your nappies would have been changed Thank you. in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I, was... I had just broken my arm, my mm. right arm. And I was waiting at the train station at Laylor north of Melbourne, yeah. where the family home was. And I had a little, I don't know if you remember, D.D., those sort of, uh, they were like a cow blanket jacket. Yes, yes, very 70s. Like blanket, yeah. yes. Well, I had one of those on, and in, in the pocket I had a little transistor radio. And I was listening to Alan Lappin on the radio on 3UZ, and I heard them say, car into a train at Laylor. Oh. And I, I then thought, that's why the train isn't coming, because I've been waiting at the station for ages. 
So I walked to, down toward uh, the Laylor shops, and a car had been hit by a train, and it was the 2nd of July, 1974. And I was just uh, so shocked, and um, I guess I suffered from post-traumatic stress after seeing it, because just to see someone's body lying on the ground. So so what was the scene when you got there? Were the emergency services there? Yeah, the emergency services were there, and um, just as I arrived, they had... Um, he'd obviously been taken out of the, uh, the wreck of the car way beforehand because they were just picking the body up and putting it into uh, what must have been some sort of ambulance or something. But there was no cover on the body. And I remember just seeing it and thinking, my God, that's what a dead body looks like. And I was traumatised that for ages because I remember thinking that guy was alive. Mm. when I walked up to the train station and all, now he's dead and now when I think about it he's been dead for 43 years Gosh, what kind of reaction did you have to it? Was it a physical reaction? Did you go home and want to tell people about it? Well I remember talking to my older brother and he said you know you've got to get this out of your head because uh, if you think about it too too long you'll go crazy but it obviously had a, rea- a reaction to me because um, after all these years I remember the date and um, I remember vividly what happened. And what, but, when you said, though, Tony, you feel like you had post-traumatic stress thing, how did that manifest itself? Was it just that it kept coming back into your head? Well, I, I kept thinking about it all the time, and I remember thinking about his family, and um, I remember sort of sleeping and waking up and thinking, oh, gee, you know, like, uh, uh, I can't stop thinking about this. I better stop trying to think about this. But, of course, since then I've seen... I've seen uh, many, many uh, dead bodies and um, uh, many sort of weird experiences uh, involving dead bodies. Uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, in Italy, where, where my family comes from, when somebody dies, they bury them almost, you know, that day or the next day because back years ago they didn't have the facilities to keep bodies. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they put them in the family home on the bed, they dress them up, and then everybody goes there and sits around the the, the dead person. I have a similar situation in my family. So, And Dee Dee's disgusted by this, but you've obviously done this also. Well, Vela, are you Italian or are you Maltese? Maltese, but this is actually on the Sri Lankan side. So on mum's side, they keep the body in the house. Okay. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's... in some ways, it's good because everybody. I mean, I've seen photographs of dead bodies. In fact, my grandfather's body, and around the body is about fifty people all sitting in the room, and some of them are little kids, like oh. they're four and five and they're six, and they're just sitting there looking at it. So I think you learn very early to cope with death because back in those days, people died as young. I mean, you know, I had a I had an auntie who had ten pregnancies. Uh, only four children survived. Six children died, some of them at the age of 12 or 13. Anyway, a story that my uncle always used to tell was uh, they were around this dead body Mm. uh, in this room and the body must have had some gas in the stomach because uh, (laughs) all of a sudden... No, don't. All of a sudden, he starts going... (laughs) And then... And then the gas forced his sort of um, his head his head up, and then he just dropped again. Oh <laughs> no! And they thought they thought he's come to life. Oh, don't, don't, don't. Did they 
Were there attempts for resuscitation or did they? Well, no, I, I just think everybody sort of, uh, can I use the word shit themselves? <laughs> Oh, you're charming, Tony. Oh, Thank you. Thank you so much. The thing about death and where we come from too is really funny. Um, I love telling this story of this lady. Yeah. And it just shows you how matter-of-fact they are about everything. Um, uh, when she was in her... This is a long time ago. When mm. she was in her 30s, this lady, she was very, very ill. Yeah. And back in those days, when they got ill, sometimes they just died within a couple of days. And they don't even know why they died. You know, they, they got some sort of temperature and then they died. Oh, anyway, Sorry. this lady was ill, so she thought, I'm going to die. So she got her... Um, her family to buy her coffins because she wanted to get everything organised. Oh, this no. is the other thing. They organised everything. Yeah. Anyway, she bought the coffin and the problem is she didn't die. <laughs> that's not a problem. That's, that's it, a positive. Where did it go? Not only did she not die, but yeah. she lived for another 40 years. <laughs> With a coffin in the house. Well, the coffin was under the bed. Oh, oh no. That's like inviting trouble. That's she awful. Kept the coffin under her bed for 40 years until it was required. Oh, dear oh. Lord. Oh. It's one thing oh. to know where you're going to be buried if you pre buy your gravesite, but the coffin under the bed is too well, much. So, so my, my parents, uh, I remember um, my sister went to a funeral with my mum one day and yes. they were walking my mum wanted to go around and see Faulkner Cemetery all her friends who died and they're walking around there and then my sister sees the names of my parents on a headstone oh, yeah. and yeah. everything was there the names the date of birth the only thing missing was the date of their death yeah and the bodies oh, my, my, my sister said my god and my mum said yeah yeah but your dad wanted to buy it I, I, reg- I regret it now because um, who gets it, it engraved it was the grave in the ground. <laughs> and, you know, you know the Italians, they don't, they don't want to go in the ground anymore. They want to go in the mausoleum. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Since the law changed <laughs> in the early, the early 1990s, uh, yes, yeah, so my dad had to sell that graveside. He, uh, he sold it to some guy he knew at the Lalo shops. Right. Then got, got, some, got some guy to change the names and uh, yes. he took it over. Oh, no, they had to get a chisel in and change it. Oh. Did a little buy, swap and sell down at the local shops. <laughs> well, funny you should say buy, swap and sell because if you listen to the Italian station at Italia, yes, which is wonderful. Because they do their own sort of uh, buy, swap and sell. Yep. And this guy rings up and goes, uh, I got the real estate to sell. Yes. In Faulkner. No. Anyway, it turns out he was trying to sell his own plot as well because he didn't want it anymore. <laughs> oh, that's awful, Tony. Thank you. You've been thank you so much. Highly well, entertaining. Oh, I've got a million. I've oh, got no, a million you have. <laughs> you, you, you should do this podcast. <laughs> we might have to get you back for another episode, well, I, Tony. I, I, I just quickly, have you heard the, the story? This was in the yeah. newsroom once, and there was a story came through. They were doing a, a funeral at Faulkner, yep. and the body fell out of the bottom of a coffin before oh, no. they buried it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> they had to seal off the whole area, and the work, work safe people went there and whatever. But uh, oh, that's gross. Yes. Oh, Tony, she went from traumatized <laughs> to here is a catalogue of stories about dead bodies. I got a million of them. Oh, yeah. We're wrapping you up I'm now. Here till Thursday. <laughs> Try the meal, Tony Tardio. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, that's my pleasure. 
on the next episode of Dead Bodies. The body of a little girl found under the floor, the call for help for the headless body, and a man who worked in the morgue for more than 20 years. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.